we were shooting on 16 millimeter analog film. So it was an incredibly high stakes sort of endeavor. Welcome to Push In, the Cinevic podcast. I'm your host, Joyce Klein, coming to you from the unceded territory of the Lekwungen speaking peoples, otherwise known as beautiful Victoria, British Columbia, Canada. One of the films in this year's Short Circuit Pacific Rim Film Festival that absolutely haunted me was Australian director James Hunter's award-winning short, Nest. Nest is the evocative story of a desperate father forced by his child's cries of hunger to work as a timber faller, a job that will make him responsible for diminishing a mysterious liar bird's ability to feed its own offspring. The film is currently making the festival rounds and has screened in such prestigious Academy Award qualifying festivals as Melbourne, St. Kilda, Atlanta, Holly Shorts, Flickrfest, and Sitges Film Festivals. So hi, James. Welcome to Push In. Hi, Joyce. Thanks for having me. Scene one. Well, speaking of the lyrebird, um, how did you get your lyrebird? Yeah, that was the most challenging part of the, the whole process because, as I say, they are these elusive birds, sort of almost has a sort of mythical presence in Australia that there's a lot of this iconography used of, of a lyrebird because um, it's this, this rare bird, but it has this incredible, extraordinary ability to mimic sounds of like um, fire alarms and baby cries and you name it, it can, it can do it. You know, you hear these sort of mythic and legendary stories that it can even uh, mimic sounds of, of extinct species and, and these ancient sounds that we wouldn't even, you know, hear these days. So, so they're these incredible birds and a few amazing things happened. I have to say, while we were making this film, while we were, you know, trying to do our research about where the areas were in Australia that we could capture a, a live bird on film, my parents were on a camping trip and they sent me a video of a live bird just performing for them just they just happened to catch a live bird in the wild <laughs> and so of course i wanted desperately to use it but they'd taken you know shaky mobile phone footage of it so i got in a car with mum we went out to that same spot in in search of a live bird you know it was a bit of an expedition trying to find a live bird um and sort of stumbling around you know in the woods and they're almost a bit like, you know, raptors in like one of my favorite films, Jurassic Park, where you hear the trill, you hear their little trills, and then you see their little tail pop up and it kind of shimmers at you, and, <laughs> uh, you know, trying to almost attract you as a bait. And, uh, and so, you know, I captured a bit of that on camera, but we couldn't get it performing the way we needed it to in the script. And then that brings me to sort of one of the stranger parts of this story, which is that my producer Faith and I, we, you know, we were talking back and forth constantly, how are we going to find a lyrebird? And then you know how all of our phones and our devices are in a very eerie way kind of listening to us these days. Well, uh, one day, you know, we had said lyrebird so many times, we had appeared in the algorithm on my producer Faith's phone on her Instagram and the perfect shot, and that is the shot that is in our film, popped up on her phone screen, recorded in colour by somebody else on a digital camera um, that they had recorded of a lyrebird doing this performance. And we sourced the copyright, we contacted them, told them what the story was and managed to secure that footage, which is the footage you see in the film. Wow. Scene two. It was exhausting watching your lead actor, Lazarus Ratuary, full-on attack 
this massive tree with an axe. So my first question about that is, where was the location? Did they actually allow you to cut down a tree? Because you see the tree fall. Like, how did you organize all that? Yeah, and then this brings me to the other most challenging part of making this story, which was, you know, obviously the environmental devastation that's been going on all, all around the world, you know, in Canada and Australia and, and so many other places that, that are feeling the effects of logging and, and the effects of, you know, in, in Australia, bushfires ravaging, you know, sort of our, our wildlife. We were very concerned about how we were going to depict this particular part of the story because while it was inherent in the DNA of the story and it was very much an environmental story and one that was close to my heart, I had no idea how we were going to actually you know, capture this, this tree felling on film. Eventually, my producer, Faith, managed to contact a, an arborist who worked at a plantation where they were sustainably chopping down these trees and then they were going to replant trees in their place. And she managed to get hold of this arborist who was like one of the only ones in New South Wales and Australia who still uses axes to cut down trees. And he actually trained oh, wow. our actor, uh, both <laughs> actors actually. Uh, so the single tree that you see felled in the film, yeah, was done at that plantation with the, with the arborist um, who, who actually felled the tree in the film. And we had one take obviously to capture the, the tree falling and we were shooting on 16 millimeter analog film so it was an incredibly high stakes sort of endeavor but um yeah miraculously it was just another one of those things that sort of came together for us the physical effort required from your actor to like attack this massive tree with an axe how do you handle getting an actor through something so physically demanding well laz was an incredible ally to me through the whole process. I mean, I remember going to him where he lives in, funnily enough, Crow's Nest in Sydney and uh, sitting with him and speaking with him, pitching to him my idea for the film. And I was amazed by the level of sensitivity that he had to this story and this idea of a man living off the land and his connection to the land and you know, how this cutting of this tree was sort of severing those connections and those values that, that he has. And I think, you know, it was, it was an emotional scene. It was an emotional scene for, for many reasons. But I think, you know, particularly the physical exertion, I think, does a number on anybody. Um, but then there was also an, an emotional component to what he was doing. And I think because he was so sensitive to the story we were telling, yeah, it was, a, it was an emotionally intense sequence. And we had him do it in a, in a long, continuous take without, you know, without any cuts. And we were that slow zoom that we kind of do uh, was a continuous take. And uh, so everything you're seeing on screen was, was a, you know, was real emotional energy and physical energy that he's exerting. So there's sweat and there's tears and there's, you know, and there's everything. And, and in terms of how I was able to support Laz, well, I think we had scheduled the film in such a way that that was the last thing that we shot with him. And I really felt like I gave him an opportunity to sort of empty the tank there and, um, you know, to really bring it home for us in terms of everything we wanted to say and achieve with the film. So in the end, I think Laz appreciated that we, we'd sort of scheduled it in that way. That was the last thing that he had to do. We just gave each other a, a big hug at the end of it. And it was quite an emotional day for everybody, but everybody was sort of clapping on the shoulder and saying that was the best part of the film. So, yeah. It was really, really emotional. Scene three. I'm wondering if you had any feedback from any environmental groups. 
I haven't actually, but I have made attempts to to reach out to some environmental groups. And, and another thing that we felt strongly about once we'd finished the film was, um, you know, we, we all felt that loss when we when the tree was felled in the film and i think um something that we felt we needed to do almost as a as a karmic way of sort of you know shedding that that experience that we'd all had was to donate 25 trees to be planted uh, on behalf of the of the production in those fire affected areas i think coming full circle was the whole my whole sort of emotional reason behind wanting to tell this particular story and so it felt like a nice way of sort of tying that knot or going full circle and um yeah and planting trees in those fire affected areas so so no the film's definitely got a very environmental message and i think it's one of the beautiful things actually was having an outdoor screening early on this was before it was on the festival circuit my my friend one of his covid projects was creating like a little outdoor theater and we screened the film to some friends of ours and they were sort of our first audience um, when the film was complete and it was still one of the most special experiences sort of playing it outside and hearing all of the nature around us and uh so no it was uh it was it was very much uh in the dna of that film that was an, an environmental film tail slate Honestly, the film's fabulous and the whole process that you went through is pretty fascinating too. And I just want to thank you, James, for making time for us and sharing so much. Thank you so much, Joyce. It's my pleasure to speak with you. And that's a wrap. You can find links to James in the show notes and you can help promote the talented filmmakers we feature by liking, subscribing, or five-star rating us so others can find their interviews more easily. That's it for now. Join me, your host, Joyce Klein, for the next episode of Push In, the Cinevic Podcast.